1: Go episode 737 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. And as I record this at, let's see, what time is it? 2.39 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday, (laughs) the commanders, as far as we know, do not have a new head of football operations. But stay tuned. Perhaps things will have changed by the end of this segment. Managing partner Josh Harris, he on Tuesday night at his home in Miami, in Miami, reportedly was to have hosted an interview for perhaps the single most coveted head of football operations candidate in the NFL, San Francisco 49ers assistant general manager, Adam Uh, Josh on Tuesday at his home in Miami also reportedly was to have hosted interviews for Kansas City Chiefs assistant general manager Mike Borgonzi and Cleveland Browns assistant general manager and vice president of player personnel Glenn Cook. Things are happening, people. Uh, This search for a new head of football ops is moving quickly. And if you have seen photos (laughs) of the Josh Harris residence in Miami, wow, (laughs) that place is impressive. Josh, the advisory committee and these candidates are uh, living the good life. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. It is possible that the commanders will have a new head of football operations by the end of the week. Probable? Who knows? But possible? Definitely. At least three interviews were to have happened on Tuesday. Uh, There reportedly are at least two more interviews happening on Wednesday. Those of Chicago Bears assistant general manager Ian Cunningham and Philadelphia Eagles assistant general manager Alec Hallaby. Next segment, I will be joined by a man who is neck deep in covering this revamping of commander's football operations, commander's insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. Uh, we are going to cover a lot of ground with what's going on, including whether the team has a top target for head of football operations, uh, what the deal is with former Golden State Warriors president of basketball operations and general manager Bob Myers being on this advisory committee for Josh Harris, and whether the commanders are interested. In Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Also, Ben is going to tell us about a very noteworthy piece that he wrote for The Athletic. Uh, The piece came out on Tuesday morning and was filled with anonymous but telling quotes regarding perhaps the single biggest flaw for Rod Rivera as Washington head coach. Ben, standing high-level commander's intel, next segment. Also on the show, some thoughts on a tough loss for Georgetown basketball, a 74-70 loss to Seton Hall at Capital One Arena on Tuesday evening in a game in which the Hoyas overcame a 16-point first-half deficit and also a 14-point second-half deficit. You can hit me up on x at AlGaldi. You can email me, the Al-Galdi Podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jerry on the commander season being over and the new era getting going right Jerry, a season in which the biggest highlight was ending the Ravens' preseason winning streak finally is over. No more listening to our favorite podcaster highlighting keys to a commander's loss. No more committing the cardinal sin of rooting for our arch enemy, the Cowboys, to win the NFC East title in order to secure the second overall pick in an NFL draft. No more Ron Rivera press conferences to be interpreted to understand what he is actually saying. And of course, no more Dan Snyder to screw up the offseason. While I always enjoy your podcast, they help me get through this awful year. I am so looking forward to listening to your upcoming, more uplifting episodes as DC fans embark on the next chapter of our NFL team's journey. The question that I have for you is: do you envision a quick turnaround for this team? Or is this a Nationals-type rebuild? Keep up the good work you do, but please, please don't ever make us root. For the Cowboys, again, once in a lifetime is enough. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for the email, Jerry. I hear you, man. I do. Listen, I did not like rooting for the commanders to lose out. I did not like Operation Lose Out any more than anyone else did. But what had to be done had to be done. Sometimes in life, you have to do things that you don't want to do in order to achieve a greater good. Uh, And that's what Operation Lose Out was. Operation Lose Out was about a greater good and the operation worked. Our team got the number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. And so to answer Jerry's question about whether I envision a quick turnaround for our football team, well, If the new football operations regime is as good as we want it to be, then I absolutely can see a quick turnaround. And if the commanders, with that number two overall pick in the 2024 draft, get a quarterback who is good from the get-go, then I absolutely can see a quick turnaround. Uh, These, of course, are two big ifs. uh, But there's no such thing as a three- to five-year rebuild in the NFL like there is in MLB. MLB the NBA, or the NHL. When a new football operations regime takes over for an NFL team, the regime, if it's good, will have things going well within a season or two. Email from Thomas on the Commanders moving forward, writes Thomas, I was watching the red zone from my home in Long Beach, New York, and pondering what will happen in the near future. I do not want any of the current coaches back next year. As far as I am concerned, they are all losers. <laughs> I say this because of the lack of development, the missed tackles, the missed sacks, and the missed turnovers. The culture is not very good. I look forward to either Jim Harbaugh or a young, innovative mind who will bring creativity and intensity. A few predictions for the future. Sean Payton trades for Sam Howell the way that Payton did for another undersized quarterback when Payton was with the Saints. Uh, Thomas obviously talking about Drew Brees, continues Thomas. The Commanders miss out on Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick. They both want too much control and settle on a young defensive-minded coach who brings creativity and innovation. The Commanders keep John Allen and Scary Terry. The Commanders in the 2024 NFL Draft trade back twice and end up with Bo Nix. The Commanders keep the name and go eight and eight in 2024. Hashtag HTTC. Hashtag TGFAG. Thank goodness for Al Galdi. Uh, Well, thank you for the email, (laughs) Thomas. (laughs) Uh, I appreciate the hashtag. Interesting predictions from Thomas. Uh, You know, Josh Harris at his press conference on Monday afternoon did get asked about the name and uh josh came off (laughs) like there is zero discussion about the name right now here was that exchange
0: michael phillips washington times and 910 the fan uh you've spent a year now with the (coughs) commanders the branding the name have you had discussions about where to go from there and and what have those been like in terms of the name and the branding
2: yeah as you can see we're a little busy uh um you know in addition to uh basically uh, picking uh, a new head of the front office, a new coach. Uh, I see uh, Mark in the front uh, there. Uh, We're busy at work, um, working on uh, the the next improvements to our stadium uh, in terms of uh, fan experience, in terms of premium areas, and fixing a lot of different things, and investing in the stadium. We're going to be rolling out a big investment program. Uh, in the next few weeks and that there's an enormous amount of detail uh, that the business staff and you know some of the ownership group are working on and then we've got obviously uh, our new home and thinking about that and so um, right now our focus today is on sports first and foremost and then these other things and so uh, you know those are our focuses right now
1: yeah, and that did echo a lot of what we heard from Josh Harris and others in the Josh Harris group prior to this season about the name. I do think that it's possible that the Harris group will change the name of the team, but that almost certainly would not happen for at least a year or two. And the problem with the name situation remains. And that problem is that there is no perfect new name. There is no magic bullet of a new name. There is one name that would generate widespread approval. And that name is Redskins, but that name is not coming back. The Harris Group has made that clear. And so while I totally understand those of you who despise the name commanders, if you are Josh Harris, there isn't some obvious other name that you can go to. I think that some of what Josh may be thinking too is, Hey, let's see if we can get this team good again, and perhaps that will create more acceptance of commanders. You know, the team's last two seasons have done the name commanders zero favors uh, to say nothing of the terrible launch of the name and the controversies and gaffes that followed that launch. 2.2.22, a day that will live in Washington infamy. There it is. And there it is. Uh, Thank you. Team president Jason Wright. By the way, what is he thinking right now? He and Ron Rivera were not best friends. I'm sure that Jason shed no tears in Ron getting fired, but what is Jason's future with the team? Email from Marlon G on the commander's season-ending 38-10 loss to the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on Sunday, writes Marlon. Just a short story. For every Dallas game, no matter what the record was, I was always intent. On watching. But for this past Sunday's game, man, I was doing chores. I worked on my car. The game was on in the background, but just a blah. I could have watched a movie. Before nothing would come between me and a Skins Cowboys game, the team seems like it gave up on Ron Rivera. I did not see any excitement with this team. The culture that he built was a lie but we did get the second pick in the draft. Happy Festivus to the rest of us. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for the email, Marlon. Yes, happy Festivus. Uh, What has become of the Washington-Dallas rivalry is sad. The truth is that the Cowboys' biggest rival for years now has been the Philadelphia Eagles, not Washington. And the number one reason for the decline in the Washington-Dallas rivalry has been how bad. Washington has been. So few games between Washington and Dallas over the last 31 seasons have been truly big games, and so many of the games have been Cowboys wins. Do you know what Washington's record against Dallas is since the epic 28-18 win over the Cowboys at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football on December 30th, 2012 to clinch the NFC East? Six and 16. Yes, six and 16 Rod Rivera as Washington head coach went 3 and 5 against Dallas, 2 and 0 in the 2020 season but then 1 and 5 over the last 3 seasons and The last four losses were blowout losses. Uh, Well, will we have any blowouts during what the NFL calls a super wildcard weekend? We, Saturday through Monday, have six games that make up the wildcard round of the NFL playoffs. A whole lot of opportunity to make money via Underdog Fantasy, which offers daily pick'em games that are super easy and fun. Just correctly pick whether certain players in each game will go higher or lower given totals, and you win. Underdog Fantasy, it is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code Galdi and to make a first deposit of at least $10. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download The underdog fantasy app and use that promo code GALDI. Underdog fantasy also offers season-long fantasy with a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be ultra-time-consuming. Well, underdog fantasy removes the time-consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get $100 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app NY and in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: Hey, we all love the NFL and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You could pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave. Kind of like picking NFL winners, only with Little Caesars pizza, you never lose. Uh, And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery, as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. Hey, if you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can rate the podcast with a star rating. Five star ratings are greatly appreciated. Uh, They help us out a lot. So thank you for doing them. Uh, The last two days, Monday and Tuesday, have been a 48-hour whirlwind (laughs) with the commanders. Uh, We on Monday morning had managing partner Josh Harris firing head coach Rod Rivera and announcing the formation of an advisory committee that includes former Golden State Warriors president of basketball operations and general manager Bob Myers and former Minnesota Vikings general manager Rick Spielman. We on Monday afternoon had Josh Harris doing a press conference. We on Monday had an eruption of reports of head of football operations candidates and head coaching candidates who the commanders have requested to interview the head of football operations candidate, San Francisco 49ers assistant general manager, Adam Peters, Philadelphia Eagles assistant general manager, Alec Hallaby, Chicago Bears assistant general manager, Ian Cunningham, Cleveland Browns assistant general manager and vice president of player personnel, Glenn Cook and Kansas City Chiefs assistant general manager, Mike Borgonzi. The head coaching candidates, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, Houston Texans offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn, Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, Ravens assistant head coach slash defensive line coach Anthony Weaver, and Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris. Also, NFL insider Jordan Schultz of Bleacher Report on Monday morning reported that the commanders are interested in Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. Then early Tuesday morning started the reports of actual interviews happening. The commanders reportedly were to have interviewed the following head of football operations candidates on Tuesday. 49ers assistant general manager Adam Peters, who I believe is the commander's top target. Browns assistant general manager and vice president of player personnel Glenn Cook and chiefs assistant general manager Mike Borgonzi. The commanders on Wednesday reportedly are interviewed. Reviewing Bears' assistant general manager Ian Cunningham and Eagles' assistant general manager Alec Hallaby. Also, we on Tuesday morning had multiple reports that the commanders are interested in Dallas Cowboys vice president of player personnel, Will McClay. Well, a man who is not on the Josh Harris advisory committee, but probably should be, <laughs> is the man who joins me now, Commander's Insider, Ben Standing of The Athletic. Uh, ben and I have extended our arrangement, our alliance by which we are appearing on each other's podcast. We did that during the Commander's season, and we're going to do that during this ultra-important Commander's off Uh Ben does such a good job of covering the Commanders for The Athletic. He's the host of the Standing Room Only podcast, and you can follow him on X at Ben Standing. Ben, would you accept a spot on Josh Harris's advisory committee if offered?
3: Hell yeah. I mean, I've said this, you know, look, obviously covering sports is way fun and this is definitely better than the nine to five jobs I used to have. But people think like, well, because you're a reporter like this is job or something and it's really cool but no i mean ever since i was a kid like running like you know the, my mock draft stuff that did just like one day i was like oh let me do a mock draft like i've been doing those since i was like 12 years old so uh i yeah would uh you know I, I, i'd be down with, with a uh with a, with a job like that
1: well, maybe the team can re-release the press release and get your name in that paragraph. <laughs> we'll see. Sure. Uh, so I was thinking about this. Monday was one year to the day of quarterback Sam Howell's NFL regular season debut. It was in the days immediately after that that Ron Rivera told offensive coordinator candidates that he was positioning Sam to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season, you were the first person who I heard or saw make the point that Ron did this, at least in part, to change the conversation from the Commanders not making the playoffs in the 2022 season. Well, (laughs) intentional or not, the conversation regarding the Commanders since Monday has not been the firing of Ron. No, the conversation has been about these hirings of Bob Myers and Rick Spielman and this, like, blitzkrieg that the team has launched in terms of lining up interviews. Uh, I, as a fan of the team, am impressed and encouraged by how prepared Josh Harris clearly was for this revamping of football operations. But what do you make of the quickness with which things seem to be moving?
2: You know
3: how, like, I don't even know if people have... Well, So when you're like in your office, like, if you, like, you're, like, there's a printer in the office, right? And it gets backed up. And then the second it goes back online, like, everything comes out all at once. That's how this felt like. Like, he's been... They've been backed up for five months or however long it's been since they bought the team because of the purchase sale... Went through the day before training camp started. On the football side, Josh Harris has been able to do basically nothing. I mean, yes, he could have hypothetically fired Rivera, but like you know, I, I never thought that made sense. So he's been he's been doing work on the side. He's been studying things like how do I get who can help me here? Oh, Bob Myers. Let me look at that. They you know the, the, they they were looking at possible candidates should they make that decision on Rivera for coach and the front office and. I think they were just ready to go. Like the, the the printer turned on the second they moved on from Rivera and they were ready to show their work. Um, so it's interesting. And, and to your point, like being out there, um, you know, m- most of us got there like around like 8.30, 8.45 to the park. The Rivera announcement came down around that time. And by the time we got to like one thirty, so after Harris spoke, it felt like the Rivera fire happened months ago uh, because it was just so, so much information that was happening all at once.
1: Why do you think that Bob Myers, who is very well regarded and probably has a million options for things that he can be doing, has chosen to assist the Washington Commanders in their revamping of football operations? Like, that's not something that anyone had on his or her bingo card. Uh, What is this about?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, he chose to leave the Warriors. I think his contract was coming due. And, uh, you know, he'd been there for a while, obviously. And, you know, Things were starting to run their course. I mean, an amazing run, four titles in eight years. But, you know, guys get older and things change. So he got out before, I guess, you know, everything kind of started to really decline for them. But he didn't go to become another GM somewhere, at least he hasn't yet. He went and joined ESPN as an analyst. Um, And what Harris kind of talked about was, you know, Myers is not going to be involved in X's and O's or any real football stuff this part with the coaching candidates is taking advantage of a guy who really did a good job of managing that Warrior situation. It wasn't just, you know, he I don't, he didn't draft Steph Curry. I don't think he was. I'm not. I, love, I don't strike. I'm not even sure he was in charge when they drafted like Draymond Green. But he was the guy that helped put the pieces together, helped manage the personalities, helped set the tone for what they were doing there, and had also, you know, in terms of. Personnel had a good feel for what pieces fit, but that also applies to people in other jobs, including the front office and coaching. And I think Harris, from what he was saying, he's viewing Myers as a a big-picture thinker who's going to help him. And and, and Spielman, it, it appears, is just staying for this advisory role. He is the football side of this equation. Okay. Myers is staying on beyond that. I don't know how long or what the deal is exactly, but he's staying on to help Harris in other ways. Whether that's thinking how to think about the stadium or any other matters that come up. So I think for Myers, I guess I imagine, you know, he's got to have he's got respect for what for Josh Harris as a visionary. Obviously, an incredibly successful businessman. I imagine that there are a lot of GMs in the NBA who were really impressed. By the process that the the process that the Sixers used, you know the the, the, the tanking, overt tanking, not necessarily because of whether they would be willing to do that, but but that an owner was willing to think that way. And and you know, I, my take of all along has been Harris is a real out of the box thinker, and I think this is a great example. For the organization that he is willing to consider all options instead of just being overly conventional that we see often and not or or Snyder may not have been always conventional, but it was completely random, haphazard, all centered around him and his ego. I don't get the sense that that's the case here. So I assume a lot of that, and I'm sure he got paid nicely, um, contributed to Myers uh, doing this.
1: So that's really interesting about Bob Myers. You do expect him to stay with the Commanders beyond this revamping of football operations.
3: That's that's how I interpreted kind of what Harris was saying and listening to some others. Um, my you know to have a uh, basketball Hall of Famer David Aldridge as my uh, colleague at the Athletic. I mean, it's always a really really good day. But you know when somebody can get Bob Myers on the phone as he did and wrote an article about it, um, that, that helps uh, for sure. So yeah, I think I, I think Myers is here say now again I don't necessarily like I don't think he's moving to Ashburn I think mean, he's continuing to live his life out out west and again he's I presume he's still doing the ESPN stuff but yeah I mean as a to to have a thinker like that and again it's not going to be for football once we get past this coaching stuff it's going to be whatever Ralph Harris has on his mind regarding the organization so yeah I think that's the way to look at it
1: All right. To the candidates. Uh, There are so many front office and head coaching candidates who you and others are reporting on for the commanders. The hiring of the new head of football operations almost certainly is going to come first. Do you think that there is a number one target in that search?
3: Well, look, I mean... You know, even if you say you're going to conduct a well thought out search and nothing is definitive, you know, you always go into these things with some level of bias, right? Again, I think that they have spent plenty of time all this season looking at the various options, and you know, you can look at things I wrote on the Athletic in the last week or so. You can look at various other lists. You know, a guy like Ben Johnson, the OC from the Lions, is, is going to be at the, almost the very top of any coaching list because of what the Lions offense has been able to accomplish the last couple of years. Um, I always point out a coordinator is applying for a job he's typically never had before, or as like the GM, the assistant GM, like an Adam Peters or an Ian Cunningham, who are on the list and, and consider to be probably two of, if not the top two, um, hot targets for executives this cycle. They're largely doing the job that they already are doing. It's just they don't have necessarily the final say. Some are more well rounded with others where they deal with like contracts in their current job. But like in general, like you kind of can see where that goes. So I would imagine that you maybe have a better feel on the executive side, at least prior to the person uh, to the uh, in person meetings. And then you learn more about the coach and get the input of this person you're going to hire for that job. So, I, you know, I'd be lying if I said like, I know for sure what they're who they're targeting, what they think. I do think Adam Peters is somebody to keep an eye on, and same with Cunningham. I believe Josh Harris when he says he's open-minded about this, and we'll see what happens. While simultaneously, you know, I think you have at least some feel for uh, for, for who who are the one or two guys that in particular, or one or two people, because I think there could be um, a couple of women in this uh, executive cycle uh, that um, you know uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, they have an eye on uh, in some capacity.
1: You just alluded to this, but Josh Harris on Monday afternoon said that he's willing to let the talent influence the structure of the commander's front office. In other words, the executives who end up being hired might end up influencing the structure of the front office. Uh, That said, are you anticipating the hirings of a president of football operations type and a general manager type and a head coach or just the hirings of a head of football operations and a head coach. Yeah, you know, this is one of the things that's interesting. When I wrote
3: my story about candidates, potential candidates, I included a couple of people who were specifically more on the operations side in anticipation of having heard that he may do exactly what you just said, They have this operations overseer, that a coach and a GM. That is the structure— you have a lot of NBA teams or to use his Sixers as, as the example. Daryl Morey is the GM the way we all think of it, but his title is executive or vice president of operation, basketball operation or president of basketball ops, whatever. Um, that said, I don't know now that I think that as much as I did before. I think what may be happening here is they're not saying they're looking for a GM because right now they have a GM on the team, right? In, in Martin Mayhew. And this is a way to sort of discuss it without saying we're hiring a new GM, but discussing it for this other way, because the GM is typically the head of ops. I, I think the wonder is also, and, I, and I've talked to some people around the league about this, if you hire Al Galdi as your a football operations president, but then you go seek one of these GM, uh, GM candidates, well, does the GM candidate want to walk into a situation where they may not be the top of the food chain? I don't know that that's as attractive. So I kind of now lean a little bit more towards no on that extra piece. Um, like, you know, for example, like Rob Rogers here was whatever his exact title was, VP of Football Ops. Like that player, will, that person will exist. There's a contract person, salary cap person, things like that. Um, so that hire could happen, but I don't know that it's another position versus um, what 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 we're talking about.
1: The commanders are requesting interviews for both head of football operations candidates and head coaching candidates. So the team is lining up interviews of head coaching candidates before having a head of football operations in place. I presume that the commanders are doing this because they feel like they have to do this because they otherwise risk falling behind. But this would seem to be a tricky dynamic in which the team needs to make this head of football operations hire quickly.
3: Yeah, Harris made it pretty clear. They want to hire this head of football ops um, sooner than later. Uh, in-person head coaching candidates can start on the 22nd. They can talk over Zoom, but um, in person. It sounds like they want to have that, um, that person there. Not necessarily to pick the coach, but to essentially become the seventh member of that advisory committee that we discussed. So, you know, there's you know, in the case of like a Ben Johnson, you know, if the Lions are in the playoffs, there's really not much they can do um, at a minimum until you know, kind of any of this is, is Detroit out of the playoffs or get to that 22nd date, things like that. Um, so I think putting in the request is just sort of a way to be like, hey, we're we're doing it at some point. Let's just do it. To, let's put the request in now. So uh, yeah, but that is the big question: Will oh, whoever your executive is hired? Does, does How much does that person influence the next situation? You know, it, it, We all love the game of, well, Adam Peters is in San Francisco. Bobby Slowick, the new offensive coordinator for the Texans, was in San Francisco. Steve Wilks, the defensive coordinator, is with San Francisco. Therefore, should we just pair them together and call it an egg? Maybe. But why not possibly say, hey, Adam, we're also looking at, uh, you know, this person over here, uh, they, uh, who who got, I'm blanking on who got picked uh, today, so Dan Quinn, the, the Cowboys defensive coordinator, was a name, Aaron Glenn, the Lions defensive coordinator, a name. Hey, what do what do we think about that? That, that That's where I think it's going to get more interesting in terms of how much influence is, is Harris in that group allowing this new coach, and, and does it affect the GM possibly not taking taking or not taking the job if, in fact, they're not allowed to, you know, directly pick who the
1: coach is. Much more with Ben Standing in moments. I'm going to next ask him about the commanders potentially hiring Michigan head coach, Jim Harbaugh. Well, Jim Harbaugh is known for the rallying cry, who's got it better than us? Nobody. I've heard a rumor that he's actually thinking of altering the rallying cry to who does fireplace, stove and chimney work better than Nova fireplace and stove? Nobody. <laughs> uh, Nova fireplace and stove. If you are in need of fireplace, stove or chimney work and you live in northern Virginia, get with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Nova Fireplace and Stove is outstanding. It handles gas fireplace sales service and installation, handles gas, electric, and wood stoves, and handles chimney cleaning and repair. If you live in Northern Virginia, stay warm and upgrade the feel and value of your home with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571- 513-3803. 513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent and receive $1,000 off. Select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off. Select in stock wood inserts offer good while supplies last. But this is a tremendous deal. Nova Fireplace and Stove, it has been around for more than 20 years. It is run by big-time Commanders fans, my guys Dan and Stu. And Nova Fireplace and Stove has outstanding professionals. Whatever the work that you need done requires, Nova Fireplace and Stove has. Master gas fitter, master electrician, class A contractor, licensed chimney inspector. And because of this, Nova Fireplace and Stove can complete your project without the need for any subcontractors and Nova Fireplace and Stove can pull all of the necessary county permits for the work that is being done. Additionally, Nova Fireplace and Stove can perform fireplace and chimney safety inspections. You can see for yourself the work that Nova Fireplace and Stove can do. It is a showroom in Woodbridge, Virginia, and has a terrific website, novafireplaceandstove.com. And take advantage of the great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Join the Nova Fireplace and Stove family and experience the fireplace service and care that you deserve. Call five seven one. 513-3803. That's 571-513-3803. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. More now with Commander's Insider Ben Standing of The Athletic on the revamping of Commander's football operations off the firing of Ron Rivera. Jim Harbaugh, fresh off his Michigan Wolverines, winning the college football playoff national championship game on Monday night. The Commanders, per NFL Insider Jordan Schultz of Bleacher Report, are interested in Harbaugh. Schultz on Monday morning reported that Commander's Advisory Committee member, Bob Myers, has reached out to Harbaugh's agent, Don Young, Now, Schultz is the only person reporting that the commanders reached out to Harbaugh's agent. And Harbaugh is not in accordance with this theme of young up-and-comers who make up the majority of the candidates coming up with the commanders. Uh, How real is commander's interest in Jim Harbaugh?
3: So we have not used a certain phrase in this conversation so far that was omnipresent for the past four years and that is coach center (laughs) right i mean if you really want the positions separated and ron rivera himself told us from what his understanding is that's what they want to do i think kim harbaugh is not going anywhere where kim harbaugh is not in charge of everything i mean he's in charge of everything in michigan and he may have to leave, leave michigan depending on what you what's going on with these various uh ncaa investigations into the spying or whatever was going on but I, I don't know that jim harbaugh's gonna be like yeah yeah i'll let somebody else choose the groceries as bill parcells once famously said so i think that would be the rub he obviously has a coach it's hard to argue with the resume you know takes the team to the nfl team to the super bowl wins a national title It'd be most impressively he turned stanford into a real winning program um but there's a lot of baggage that comes in i don't think he's an easiest person to uh too, from a personality perspective to deal with initially and again if he wants more say than the, the Harris team wants to give then I don't know that it works but you know it's the same thing I would say about you know I don't buy the Bill Bill Belichick rumors that that's a logical target for them but if they want to have a meeting with the guy the arguably the greatest coach ever none you know besides Joe Gibbs of course um oh, why wouldn't you you know, if it's, an, if it's a fact-finding mission, then sure. And I would say the same thing with Harbaugh. I mean, why wouldn't I at least consider it? But I, I don't know. It seems to me, again, that he would be more of a coach-centric model, and I don't know that that's where they want to go.
1: It is interesting that so many of these commanders head coaching candidates who have come up so far are coaches with primarily defensive backgrounds when the trend in the NFL for years now has been hiring head coaches with primarily offensive backgrounds. Uh, Now, having a defensive-minded head coach certainly doesn't doom an NFL team. See, the Buffalo Bills and Houston Texans, but any surprise that the commanders are at least interested in a number of defensive-minded head coaching candidates?
3: No, because I would like look at it like this: like if you were to rank the candidates, like let's just say we got a, you know, like the, we like what happens at the draft. You take a consensus of all these big boards, and it reveals a, um, you know, a, one big big board. Um, I think if you did the same thing here with the coaching candidates. I would venture to guess that in the top ten there would be more defensive coordinators than there would be offensive coordinators. You get past Ben Johnson, who, you know, he doesn't exactly have like a deep resume, but okay, it's been really impressive the last two years. I mean, Bobby Slowick has been the Texans coordinator for one year, and he's clearly done something right to help C.J. Stroud uh, as a rookie in the Texans in the, you know, won the division. But, you know, he based it all off of the one year. Uh, Dave Canales in Tampa Bay has done a pretty good job there it's all based on one year most of the it's it's just the way this cycle is the offensive coordinator candidates are just there's just not as many of them that seem to have a resume that compares to the defensive guys so I don't necessarily know that it means Josh Harris is you know we want defense we don't care if we get an offensive guy I just kind of think it's you know it's like the you know it's like the draft in any given year this is the year where they can probably get a quarterback 2022 no quarterback went high. So you take other positions. I just think it's just a matter of what the market is.
1: You at Josh Harris's press conference on Monday afternoon had an exchange with Josh. Uh, You essentially asked him if the commanders are about to embark on the NFL's version of the process, which of course, Josh greenlit as Philadelphia 76ers managing partner, or if the idea is for a quick turnaround. Uh, Here was that
3: exchange. Hey Josh, Ben Standing with the Athletic. Um, you famously with the Sixers were willing to take a slower rebuild to get things where you wanted them to be. Uh, with coming off a four and thirteen season, how uh, open are you to taking being patient with a rebuild, or do you see this being more of a quicker turnaround?
2: Yeah, listen, um, this was not a fun season for the ownership group. I mean, we're we're right there with the fans in terms of uh, sweating every loss uh... and so i mean obviously if we could write the script it would be a quick turnaround but on the other hand um, you have to make long-term decisions uh... and do things in a ver- you know one person at a time one athlete at a time and so sometimes they take longer right so i think what my my view is that we want it to be as quick as we can but the ultimate goal right is to be in a lead team that's competing for championships and so um, when you do, I find that when you do things quickly, uh, you you know sometimes you know you set yourself back, and so the, my orientation is to do make the right decisions and uh, let the time frame you know take its own course. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I want a winning franchise quickly, but on the other hand, I, you know, for me, it's about making the right decisions.
1: All right, uh, we all get that rebuilds in the NFL can happen quickly, but. What do you think of Josh Harris's answer to your question? Well, I think it was a good example as to
3: how this regime should be very, 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 very different from the last one. In that, I'm not talking. I oh, was just from the football perspective. Um, why pin yourself? In any- why put yourself in any corner by saying I want to do this or I want to do? That, um, you know, obviously, as he said, I don't want to keep losing. He admitted this year was not that much fun in terms of watching this team suffer for so many weeks. But if you make the rush decision, that can put you in a big bind. And I, I've always maintained to myself that the goal should not be to win the Super Bowl. Because if you if that's the stated goal, then you have to push all your chips into the table, all right, in the middle of the table to to... To, to get that to happen, what the goal should be is you figure out how to become a contender year in and year out. And then that way, not only are you in the mix, but when the breaks go your way, injuries to other teams or you don't have injuries or the referee calls this out of the other or whatever, you're you are positioned to take advantage of that. And I think that to me is what he was saying. Yeah, he would love it if they made the Super Bowl next year, but he doesn't want to strive for that directly because then you might make bad choices. Because you're putting yourself into this, uh, you know, box by doing that. And, uh, I, I, I just think that, um, yeah. so, I mean, yeah, I, I don't anticipate the process as in like this three, three, four year, you know, diabolical drop to, to get the best stuff, you know, to, 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 to as many picks as possible. And by the way, I think that the process worked, uh, but I do think he's not going to say we got to trade, you know, uh. Well, we got to sign uh, some some free agent quarterback to a you know two hundred million dollar contract when we don't even know what the rest of our roster is at this point or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I actually thought that Josh Harris answered your question very well. Uh, ben in moments is going to tell us about a very interesting piece that he wrote about Ron Rivera. But if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy Ben's podcast, check out BGO Blind Pig, the official podcast of BG Obsession. Com. BGO Blind Pig is a roundtable discussion of all things Washington Commanders football. Lots of good and passionate Commanders conversation from Commanders fans who know the team well. You can find the BGO Blind Pig podcast on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, or on any major podcast provider. Make BGObsession.com the home for your burgundy and gold obsession. And make the BGO Blind Pig podcast one of your weekly DC football listens. All right, Ben, I have uh, two Ron Rivera-related questions for you. One has to do with a piece that you wrote that came out on The Athletic on Tuesday morning. Headline quote, Ron Rivera's commander's tenure, winning the news conference, losing where it counts. End quote. Uh, there is a lot to this piece, my friend, but how about this passage? Quote: Several members of the Washington and Carolina organizations with access behind the curtain found a flawed football voice whose proclivity for worrying about his and his team's portrayal hampered progress and it became more problematic when he was given additional power in Washington. The Athletic spoke with more than a dozen sources for their assessment of Rivera's four seasons, providing anonymity in exchange for candid commentary. Several didn't hesitate to cite the narrative angle. Ron is consistently concerned with winning the press conference, one team source close to the situation said. Whether signing a free agent or trading for Carson Wentz, he went for instant gratification rather than build for the future end quote. And also in your piece, Ben, is this quote from a prominent team source, quote, one day Rivera would have one perspective on who should be doing what and then shift that, vacillate back and forth. We constantly changed plans in part because Rivera often chased narratives, end quote. Wow, Uh, Ben, tremendous piece. What jumped out at you in putting that piece together?
3: Well, you know, we obviously all lived this for the last four years, and you know, we saw the arc of Ron Rivera when he came in. He had all these sayings, and you know, he, you know, he was being put, he was being presented to the audience, and I think correctly that he was an adult in a room as opposed to the child, the children that were running the thing before. And you know, he had been to a Super Bowl, Carolina. His reputation is really good around the league. Nobody says anything negative about Rivera. All that's true and fair, um, but what became clearer over time as you go back, especially when you go back and look at all these things that happened, was just how many times the goalposts seemed to shift on what it was that they were talking about. You know, there were times as I wrote that, like, you know, he would say, Hey, you know, you don't have to get the quarterback right away. You can build up the roster and then drop that quarterback in a hundred percent. But then out of the other side of his mouth, they would try to make trades for Matthew Stafford and and Russell Wilson. Um, And the, It seemed just like in real time, but especially, again, when you put all all the evidence together, that whatever their plan was just seemed to shift constantly. And, you know, that was my view. And then when you talk to people, you're like, yeah, I mean, other people saw the same. And, you know, I'm always cautious of this. And, you know, I don't know. I guess sometimes I write these stories. I think that the people out there see the world the way I do, which is obviously not the case. But um, it's not that they have all the answers. It's just that when you're going down a certain path and then it shifts here and it shifts there, and that becomes hard to deal with. And I really thought for me, the Wentz-Hal transition really was sort of the uh, uh, just such an obvious aspect of this because the Wentz thing falls apart, as we know. Um, You know, we all remember him ranting in Chicago after that Bears game about this ESPN report that came out that he's the one that wanted uh, Wentz and, and all this stuff. And, and now, you know, ESPN had it recently. And then I confirmed as well, basically that Dan Snyder did get more involved in, in the Wentz thing, but not the, from my understanding, not Wentz himself, but like, Hey, we got to get a quarterback, go do something basically. And Rivera is the one that wanted Wentz that blew up when the season ended. Everybody's pissed off, right? Fans, you know, I'm sure, certain radio and podcast hosts weren't happy. And, um, Six days after the season, he says, "Yeah, Sam Howell will be QB one." Then later in August, he tells Albert Breer Sports Illustrated, "Boy, I really had no idea that this kid could do this until I was driving home. I driving, talking with my wife as we were driving home." But again, he originally wanted Taylor Heineke to start the Week 18 game. So we go from he doesn't even think enough of Sam Howell to start the meaningless Week 18 game. Then six then six days later, he's like, "Oh, this guy." Well, I think it's because it. Wanted to change the topic, and I was told that. Uh, you know, I, I was talking about that, and then was had people over there tell me, yeah, that's pretty much right. Um, and look, Sam Howell, the gambit almost worked. I mean, he did was good for the first half of the year, but uh, wh- wh- why why say anything? It's good for me, it's good for you, but it's not good for the organization. Why why say anything? Hey, in your head, you really like Sam Howell. Cool. Well, why don't we play it out? Well, why, why don't you bring in a Jacoby Brissett and tell Brissett, look, here's the deal. I want to give this kid the shot. So, you know, it's kind of his job to lose. You don't have to tell us, but he did because it wasn't just about Sam Howe becoming the guy. It felt like it was about changing the narrative of what was being discussed and that that did work. We all immediately looked look forward. It's way more fun talking about a young quarterback than, you know, blowing a playoff spot. So um, that to me was sort of an example, and others seem to agree, of where these things kind of – The team in a bad position because Rivera seemed to be more focused on more than just simply, um, how do I improve this team?
1: By the way, how about the irony-slash-poetry-slash-whatever-you-want-to-call-it of Carson Wentz this past Sunday? What was Rod Rivera's final full day as Washington head coach playing really well <laughs> for the Los Angeles Rams in their 21 20 win at the San Francisco 49ers. Like, you can't write that any better. Uh, last one for you. We, in recent days, have had some rather notable comments from commanders' players in sessions with reporters. A common theme, ironically, has been culture, which, of course, is the thing that Rod Rivera was supposed to fix. Uh, But receiver Jahan Dodson last Wednesday, January 3rd, uh, left tackle Charles Leno Jr. and interior defensive lineman Fidarian Mathis on Monday all talked about the commander's culture not being good enough. Uh, Here was a back and forth between Scott Abraham, sports anchor for 7 News DC, and Charles Leno on Monday.
2: Over the last couple of days, there's been a couple of players discussing the culture here and, and, and maybe a culture of too much accepting of the losing. Yeah. Have,
3: have you noticed that at all? For sure. I would say a couple of things that I thought of um, that, yeah, the two things that always come to mind is a standard. In structure, and that was, I was—I feel like that was something I was lacking here in, a, in our organization—a standard and a structure. So when you have those two things, um, this is the, this is the cause, and this is the effect of that. Who fixes that? Is that—is that, is well, that, that a- starts up top? That start always starts up top. You know, the standard is starts up top. It has to be like this is what we are, this is who, what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it every single day, um, and that starts up top.
1: Okay, now, this also was a commander's team on which some offensive players complained about being worked too hard by assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bienemy. So perhaps the bad culture was as much on the players as on the coaches. But how much stock should we put into these culture comments from players?
3: Well, I think culture has become the new catch-all term. Like, it is what it is. A, I I. I, I, don't, I don't even know what it means anymore. But I'll say this, that like, I think Ron Rivera for the four years he was here did a very fine job in shielding his players and dealing with so much that was happening, especially those first couple years between the Snyder um, investigations and COVID, his own cancer, all, all these kinds of uh, things. Um, but the culture change is Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen are gone. The other way, it's just can you get your guys to play hard? And if it if he is, if it run it extended beyond this time, and you see something continue, that's fine. It's not a I don't know what that even means anymore. And I think, to be honest, my view when the players have been saying these things is: look, they just coming off a season where they lost the last eight games and were pretty beaten down by that. Obviously, I don't know that it's like the second Ron Rivera was gone. There's something lingering. That, oh, okay, well, whatever is going to happen, the new coach, when GM come in, they're going to have $90 million in cap space, the number two pick, and great culture. I, I don't think that's a thing. I think, again, Snyder is gone. That's the difference, which is not to discredit Rivera's four years of managing what was often a, uh, you know, a, a disaster. But um, I don't— I. I just think the players were venting more about frustration in terms of not winning than like some knock on what, whatever Rivera was, was doing in terms of this sort of nebulous culture term.
1: Commanders insider, Ben Standig of The Athletic, the host of the Standig Room Only podcast. He is all over all that is going on with the Commanders right now. Ben, thank you, and we'll talk soon.
3: You rock out, as always. I uh, look forward to having you on the podcast next week and hopefully getting some sleep in between.
1: All right. Well, hopefully Ben does get some sleep. Hopefully Josh Harris is feeding his advisory committee well. Uh, Josh should get with Catering by Uptown. Catering by Uptown. It is the DMV's number one catering service. If you are planning a party, a wedding, whatever, and you need a good catering service, go with Catering by Uptown and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Catering by Uptown, it is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations, and Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly. From putting together and executing a menu, to picking linens, to selecting an excellent florist, Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations, whether you are having a wedding or a corporate event, an intimate gathering or a gala, Catering by Uptown is the way to go. Visit CateringByUptown.com and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Say hello to Michael Pereira and the rest of the Catering by Uptown family. The Pereiras are great and knowledgeable Commanders fans and will do a tremendous job for you. Visit CateringByUptown.com. That's cateringbyuptown.com, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, Georgetown basketball on Tuesday evening nearly pulled off a great comeback win, but the comeback did fall short. The Hoyas for this season fell to eight and eight overall and one and four in the Big East with a 74 70 loss to Seton Hall at Capital One Arena on Tuesday evening. The Hoyas allowed Seton Hall to begin the game on a 24-8 run, but overcame that 16-point first-half deficit and also a 14-point second-half deficit. The Hoyas held a three-point lead at 65-62 with less than three minutes left in the second half, but the Hoyas then got outscored the rest of the game 12-5 as they committed four turnovers in a span of less than a minute and a half. Uh, Georgetown had a hard time with Seton Hall's top two guards, six two, Alamir Dawes and six six Kadari Richmond. Uh Dawes in thirty-nine minutes as a starter went five of seven on threes, one-of-three on twos, and eight of eight on free throws. He finished with twenty-five points, five rebounds, and two assists versus two turnovers. And Richmond, he in thirty-seven minutes as a starter went one of two on threes, eight of eleven on twos, and one of two on free throws. He finished with 20 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists versus 4 turnovers and Two steals. Uh, Dawes and Richmond combined for 45 of Seton Hall's 74 points. The Hoyas top guard uh, and top player, 6'2, Illinois transfer, Jaded Epps. He scored 30 of the Hoyas' 70 points. Uh, Epps, off some recent subpar games, perhaps due to a right ankle injury that caused him to miss a game, was great on Tuesday evening. Epps, in 38 minutes as a starter, went 5 of 13 on threes, 4 of 5 on twos, and 7 of 8 on free throws. He finished with 30 points, five assists versus one turnover and three rebounds. Uh, Epps went 5 of 13 on threes. The rest of the Hoyas went just 5 of 22 on threes. Uh, The Hoyas on Tuesday evening basically were the Jaden Epps show. Would have been nice for the Hoyas to have gotten this win, but uh, they unfortunately did not get the win. Next up for Georgetown, at number four, UConn, Sunday at noon. UConn for this season is the number six team in Division I men's basketball per KenPalm.com. Georgetown is number 184. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 738. We'll provide you with more on the commanders and their revamping of football operations. Also on Thursday show, I'll talk Wizards and Virginia Tech basketball. The Wizards are at the Indiana Pacers Wednesday night at 7. The Hokies are home to number 21 Clemson Wednesday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you.